0: good at that one. So we are doing a series out of the book of Proverbs this summer, and maybe, I don't know, maybe beyond, we'll see. I'm really excited about it. I love the book of Proverbs. It was the book that I read before I became a Christian uh, when I was 21 years old, uh, and they really just spoke to me, really cut to my heart, and and, and God used them to show me that I, I had a need for a Savior. So I'm excited to uh, dig into this. We've done a couple messages so far. Uh, if, you, you can, if you've missed the, the first couple messages, you can go back online on our website. All of our, all of our sermons are on the website. But the first couple I think are important because they, they lay a foundation for the whole book. But each week we'll look at a different topic today because it's Father's Day. We're going to look at uh, fatherly discipline, you know, how God uh, sort of deals with us and how, how he shapes us, how he works on us to, to make us what he intends us to be. Uh, so we're going to look, look at that. And we're actually just going to look at a couple verses in Proverbs, and then we're going to go to a section in the New Testament that expounds, expands uh, on, this, on these couple verses. So if you want to go to Proverbs, If you have a Bible, I'm just going to read a couple verses. In chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Chapter 3 of Proverbs. Verses 11 and 12 say this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Now, if you want to flip over to Hebrews chapter 12, we'll actually find. These two verses, almost verbatim, they're a little bit different. Sometimes uh, that happens, the way that the New Testament writers sometimes morphed some of the verses a little bit or changed them up, but it's almost the same. Uh, but we're going to look at, actually, uh, verses 3 all the way to 17, though we're going to kind of really lean heavy in the middle, middle part, or I guess the first half, really. Uh, but I see a few things in this uh, great portion of scripture. I love this section of the Bible so much. It speaks to me. Because I think because for me, um, I really struggled in the early years of my walk with Jesus. Again, I was 21 years old, so uh, you know, 21 to uh, maybe 25, maybe even beyond that. I just really struggled with feeling like i wasn't measuring up or feeling like the you know god was coming down too hard on me and and in his discipline I, it just would discourage me uh and his conviction would just make me oh, slump you know and feel like god i'm not good enough you know i'm, I'm not worthy i'm just you know the father's probably He's probably mad at me. He's probably disappointed in me, and all you know, all the time. I mean, he never said that, but I just, I was kind of carried that, and really struggled to pull out of that. So this portion of scripture was so instrumental in my life. But I see a few things in this. You see the the reality and kind of the the reality and the reasons for discouragement. He just, you know, the writer. I think it's Paul. Might not be Paul, but probably the Apostle Paul, uh, gives us a few reasons. There's a lot of reasons to be discouraged, but he gives us uh, three big ones that I'll I'll talk about. And then he gives us uh, what I would say is a strong case for encouragement. Uh, He sort of blows out of the water the reasons for discouragement and gives us some strong ground to stand on. And then, you know, kind of in light of all this, he gives us a few exhortations, which I won't go too deep with, but that's kind of the last part of this uh, section of of Scripture. All right, so that's where we're going. That's kind of the roadmap, and uh, let's get into it. So yeah, uh, let's read this first verse. It says this, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. And there is the first reason we can get discouraged. Uh, Hostility. Just living in this world, sometimes, uh, even in America, I know we don't suffer physical persecution in America yet, or usual, there could be some examples here and there, but it's not a thing in America at this point. It is a thing in many countries around the world uh, that are very close to the gospel. But just by... Our association with Christ, just by our uh, declaration that we love Jesus and we are trying to uh, live our lives in accordance with the Word of God, that puts you at odds with the culture. Now, it doesn't mean we wouldn't have some overlap with certain people who want good things for society, or you know, certain people have morals. Uh, we might share some morals, but just by nature of who we are as people of God. We are at odds, and there's going to be some hostility. This is what Jesus faced. Uh, He was despised and rejected by people. He was a man of sorrows. We know that he was crucified. We know that uh, people wanted to kill him. They hated him. They slandered him. And we're following in his footsteps. And so we get some of that not in the full measure that he suffered though some saints have suffered incredibly through the ages but we take on some of that cross that Christ bore and it's not fun <laughs> can i just say it you know uh, i think that as human beings we like to be liked we like everybody to love us we even as Christians, we're uh, you know peacemakers. We, we want to get along with everyone in the workplace or in our families. And sometimes we just, and I know some people are just difficult and can't take risks for no reason or just, you know, there's a lot of unreasonable Christians who are just causing trouble for no reason. But even when we're humble and peaceful and we're full of love and we're, you know, being meek, and, and gentle in the way we're presenting the gospel or serving other people, it still creates tensions. Um, especially nowadays, you know, if you, if you believe what the Bible teaches about certain things, about the exclusivity of uh, Christ, uh, that He is the only way, uh, even sexual ethics. Uh, if you believe in an orthodox view of that, you are now put in this category of you're just a jerk. You know, you're just a bigot. You hate people. You're you're a hater, and and even though we're not, we we feel that hostility uh, against us, and it's it's uncomfortable. It's difficult, and it's one of the reasons that we get discouraged. Um, and we can talk more about that. But he gives a second reason in verse four. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. <laughs> um, that's an interesting verse, but I think I'll just comment, I'll swing back around to it, but comment on the fact that the struggle against sin, now certainly struggling against sin and failing is totally discouraging right? Because we want to be people of God. We want to be obedient. We want to love him. We want to honor him. We're trying to, uh, like the Apostle Paul says, we make it our aim to please him, right? That's our goal in life is to honor Jesus as believers. That's what it means to be a Christian. You know, we love God. We love people. We love God. We, We want to serve God. And so when we fail and disobey, it's totally discouraging, all right, and we kind of should be discouraged, you know, and like we have to go to God and just work it out and he encourages us and forgives us. and But it's not even saying that. It's just the struggle against sin. How many get discouraged about that? Just the fact that inside of you there's a nature that is proud, that is tempted to do Unsavory things that is at times moved to to lust or to hate or to be mean or to be jealous, like that just even just the thought inside of us that just kind of you know it just wells up, right? Where does that come from? I mean, maybe you know, we could say it's the devil. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is, but I think it's it's actually our sinful nature that sometimes just Blech. right it's the flesh versus the spirit and as i've said many times you cannot sanctify the flesh the flesh is the flesh you're gonna you're gonna carry that thing in you all the way to your death and then it just it's like cut loose like a big ugly gross thing just you know as we uh, like it says in first john when we see his face we will become like him now it doesn't mean we're in bondage to the flesh but we, it like follows us around, like this annoying, gross thing, right? Is it just me? You guys are all set free, right, from the flesh? <laughs> yeah. No, I. the flesh is like my worst enemy, you know? It's like you wake up in the morning, he's like right there. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I got a lot planned for today. <laughs> oh, man, would you go away, you know? I don't talk to my flesh, but, <laughs> like, um, but it's just, it's, it, you can feel it. Your flesh is makes, you know, it, it wants to make you lazy. It wants to just, you don't, know, it's the, the Roman seven struggle. I think, you know, we want to do this. We want to, want to get up early and pray for three and a half hours. And the flesh is like, yeah, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. And it's like, no, we are doing that. No, we're not. Yes, we are. it's, This is discouraging over a lifetime. You know, I think new Christians are awesome. You know, they're just like full of zeal, and they just, you know, get this touch from God, and and then they get into like three or four months, and they're like, oh, man, why is the flesh still here? Why is this so hard? And just the fact that it's hard can be discouraging. That's why we need each other, you know. That's why we need to fellowship. Because if we stay all alone in our little bubble of struggling against sin, you know, we feel like we're the only ones on the planet struggling against sin. And Satan comes along and says, Look at you, look at the struggle. Like you just you want to sin. And we're like, Oh, yeah, I know. I'm so I'm so evil. No, get get with another brother and and ask, ask. A brother, ask a sister, hey, what kind of struggles have you been struggling with lately? And if there's some honesty, we feel these things. Again, I'm not talking about giving in to temptation, failing. I mean, we, we can walk holy. We can walk pure and righteous, and we can be obedient. But we just have this experience of the struggle against sin inside of us. And it is hard. It is hard. Well, then he gets, and this is kind of what most of the, this portion is about. He gets to this next thing, and he says, and you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. Now, these next two verses are almost exactly what we read in Proverbs. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises Every son whom he receives, so he he gives us uh, he gives us some incredible reasons to be encouraged in this. Again, you know, we could go off on so many different reasons to be discouraged. You know, he, he just kind of touches on three, uh, but discouragement. I think that we all struggle with it. All the great men and women in the Bible struggle with it. I mean, some of the great ones, Moses got pretty discouraged at times. Elijah, come on. He was like, kill me. I mean, he just, you know, Jonah, he was kind of a brat, you know, but (laughs) he was kind of being a big baby. But I mean, everyone who is trying to follow Jesus just by living in this world and just experiencing the struggles and, and just feeling the hostility and just God's discipline uh, just kind of causing us to, to feel discouraged. We, we feel these things all the time. So we need encouragement from the scriptures, from God. So he, he kind of touches on each of them, you know, with the hostility. Uh, the writer saying, just remember Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider what he went through. You know, when you really think about the sufferings of Christ and how people treated the Savior who was perfect, um, it kind of puts things in perspective. It's like, yeah, I guess, you know, that one coworker that kind of doesn't like me because I'm a Christian, um, it's, that, it's not that bad, you know, compared to what what Christ went through. But I think also when we consider Christ, we, we realize that he suffered a lot of hostility from people, even though he was perfect. And it, it helps us to realize that it's not, it's not, strange that we would go through something similar right if we're trying to follow Jesus and we're identifying with Jesus that we would share some of that suffering and persecution hostility from people so it kind of it just helps us to feel more normal about it like okay this is he he told us about this he said if they if they hated me they're going to hate you you know if they persecuted me they're going to persecute you like he he kind of told us these things in advance and he went through it a lot so it just helps us to it doesn't mean we love it but it just helps us to understand all right he warned us about this and and it's okay it's okay i'm, I'm carrying my cross and i'm honoring christ by enduring some of the hostility against you know against myself I mean, Jesus commended some of the churches in the book of Revelation for the way that they stood firm in the face of persecution. A lot of the book of Revelation is actually about that. You know, just our endurance, our faithfulness, our just staying true to the word of God, not bending, not giving into the cultural pressures to, you know, like not believe certain things in the Bible and just try to shape it to be. Palatable for everybody, so we're, everybody likes us. You know, no. Jesus loves when we just stand on the truth with grace, of course. Just like He did, He was full of grace and truth. But when we stand firm, uh, He loves that. He honors that. So the you know the struggle against sin uh, that we have not resisted to the point of shedding our blood. Uh, I think He's basically in so many words saying. It could be much worse, right? I mean, he just kind of got through talking about this in chapter 11. Do you remember when he was saying, uh, uh, you know, people were tortured, uh, they refused to accept release, um, others suffered mocking and flogging, chains, imprisonments, they were stoned, they were sawn in two. I think that was Isaiah. Terrible. They were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute. And afflicted, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. That's Hebrews chapter 12. So these were men and women who resisted uh, being silent, they resisted self preservation, Uh, they resisted conformity to culture to be true to their Savior. And suffered because of it. So you know, the writer's saying, like, you guys haven't, you haven't done that yet. You know, nobody's been sawn into. You know, like nobody has had to resist being silent or resist self-preservation to the point of uh, you're going to be beaten to death or be put in a prison and left to rot. Like we haven't gotten to that point. And he's speaking to the the first century Christians. You know, how much more like we haven't. He's just saying it could be worse. Yes, it's hard to struggle against sin. Yes, it's hard to be faithful in the workplace or amongst your family when a topic comes up and people look at you and say, what do you believe about this? And you know that it's going to be like, even if you say it nice or gentle, it's going to be like a bomb in this setting, right? It is going to... Everybody in the room is going to think you are the worst human being ever. What do you do? We suffer. We suffer along with the saints. We suffer along with Christ. But, you know, if we are faithful in that moment, uh, he's just saying, you're probably not going to have to shed your blood over it. You know, that your co-workers aren't going to take you in the back of the building, strip you and just like pound on you, just stone you with rocks and with rods. Like I, I mean, it could happen, but it, it's not probably going to happen. So he's saying, just just be faithful. It could be worse. <laughs> it's a funny encouragement, actually. Stop whining. It could be worse. <laughs> This is if it is the Apostle Paul, it's like oh man, coming from him, you know, it's like oh man, it's just so hard the struggle against. It. He's going to be like, really, okay, let me let me list out what I've been through, which he does actually in the Book of Corinthians. It's crazy. It's just it's humbling, and then we realize we we whine and get all discouraged, kicking the dirt because you know somebody doesn't like us. Well, I tried to tell them about Jesus, and they. They started laughing at me. Again, I shouldn't make fun of it, because we we do. We love to be loved. Is there anybody that doesn't love to be loved? We love that we're just human beings, want to be accepted. And again, as I feel like as Christians too, we get in this weird thing, right? Okay, we're in the workplace, we're in the school, we're in our family, and we we feel this almost like, okay, I'm trying to, we're trying to be winsome, right? We're trying to trying to win people, we're trying to show them that following Jesus is. You know, it's cool. It's it's beautiful. It's attractive. It's a good thing. It's we wanna we wanna do it in such a way that they would actually be interested and curious about it. Maybe ask us questions, you know. So we, but it can kind of go too far, right? Because all of a sudden it's like, ooh man, how am I gonna how am I gonna navigate this one? And then all of a sudden we we, man, we we got to pick truth, or do we just? You know, keep being winsome so that they like us. But the thing is, that doesn't lead anywhere. If all we are is winsome, you know who we win them to? We win them to ourselves, so they think we're really cool. But sometimes there's just a weightiness about, like, oh, man, I just don't really want to answer this question right now. But, yeah, this is what I believe. I really do believe it. I would die for this belief. And I know it's not a popular belief. And that will maybe anger people. I know the guys that shared the gospel with me, I mean, they they infuriated me. I think I shared this uh, in one of, I don't know if it was a sermon or if it was one of my mission writings, but I was saying how when I was 19 years old, somebody shared the gospel and they were so nice and so sweet and And they just loved me and told me all about the love of Jesus. And I was like doing so much drugs at the time, doing LSD. And I I just kind of took it in. I was like, well, that's nice. I'm so happy that God loves me so much. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing and keep doing drugs. And, And she didn't really say anything negative. You know, she didn't call me out on anything. And so I continued in my lifestyle. I didn't really rock me. Then a couple of years later, a couple of friends told me all about the love and the compassion of Jesus and the goodness and the grace of God, and also told me that my lifestyle would lead me to hell. Okay, that put me in a crisis. I was really angry. But do you see the importance sometimes of just speaking the truth? Now, I was angry with these guys. I slandered them. I they probably thought, whoa, okay, this is not going well. Uh, I remember uh, one of my friends that I'm still in touch with, I guess I don't remember this, but he, I guess he came over. I didn't know him but at the time, but he came over, I guess, with these Christian guys to try to talk to me about Jesus. And my, my friend said, oh, yeah, you were not into it at all. Like, at all. Like, I was just mad. And... Sometimes, you know, again, we should never try to make people mad, ever. That's not a good thing. But sometimes just speaking the truth is going to upset people. But sometimes people need to get upset. They need to have a crisis. They need to realize that there is a hell. They need to worry about, wow, maybe I'm not right with God. And sometimes as Christians, we're just so nice to everybody. But we, we do need to speak the truth. Amen. All right, let's uh, let's get a little deeper into this. So, um, again, I'm just going to read the, read the verses again. He says, uh, "My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him." Uh, so, what is he talking about here? This discipline of the Lord is when God, through the Holy Spirit, um, is getting on us. Does God ever get on you? The Holy Spirit said, you can't do that anymore. You got to stop doing that. You got to change this. You got to, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to move us away from bondage, away from sinful things and into life, into righteousness, into his holiness, into his presence. This is a, an ongoing work that never ends until we see his face. This is the, the discipline of the Lord. When we think about discipline, it certainly could mean, um, you know, if we're doing something wrong, right? You know, we think about that. You know, we're in trouble. We get a timeout. You know, as a kid, we get a spanking or something like that. But we, it's, I think it's much broader than that. The discipline of the Lord is God's work in us. It's God taking sort of responsibility for our lives as a father and shaping us through the word of God, through people, Uh, Sometimes, yes, it is a rebuke. It's a reproof. Sometimes he just engineers circumstances because we're not listening (laughs) to the words of the Bible or the preacher or our spouse or our close friend. We're just not listening to the words. So he orchestrates circumstances to get at things in our life, to move us to where he wants us to be. You know, sometimes we, we want to be Christians and get saved and have a Savior. We're going to heaven. We've got our ticket in hand. And, uh, and we didn't realize we were signing up to have the Holy Spirit sanctifying us, you know, throughout our entire lifetime. And, you know, sometimes we give a few good years to, you know, letting God shape us and, and just really kind of pour out a bit and really become superstar Christians. And then we're like, okay, I've done that. I'm good, I'm good. Are we going to kind of go so far, and then we're like, okay, I'm doing, you know, managing my money right, I'm doing this, you know, I'm nice to people, I'm not getting drunk anymore. You know, so we we take care of things, and then we're like, okay, we're done. We're done. Listen, you, you kind of clean up the outward things in, in like, the first week, hopefully. <laughs> Honestly, like, the first, if you were drugs, drinking, smoking, doing stupid things, you know, fornicating... All that. Hopefully, you're, you're just cleaning that up in the first, first little season because God just deals with you. Okay, you're not done yet. There is a lot. Okay, I'm in this 32 years, and I'm realizing, man, there's a lot more to go because the gap, the difference between me and Jesus is still massive. You hear me? So I'm still becoming more and more like Jesus. Every single day, I am being discipled by the Savior. I am being disciplined by the Lord. Now, yeah, again, you know, discipline can be where are really going off track and God, you know, really shakes us up or rebukes us to pull us back onto track. That's part of discipline. But discipline is really, we're under his discipline. He is like a father taking responsibility for our lives. So what can happen when, when God deals with us is we can get discouraged, right? We get weary. We get like I was saying before, like I did for, for many years, just like, oh man, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm terrible. You know, we get all like self-pity and just, you know, God deals with us, and we're like, you know, maybe God says, uh, sometimes people do this too, you know, we're like yeah, I think you know you need to work on this area and and then the person reacts, "Yeah, I'm just a terrible human being. I'm just I just suck. You know, I'm just stupid." Okay, just, no. Just look at the one thing that God is wanting to deal with. And we we can't allow ourselves to fall into that self-pity or to even just blow off God's discipline or just tune out like i'm not i'm good i'm i've kind of plateaued in my walk i've got everything settled and I'm, I'm just done i don't want to be you know every day lord uh shape me uh lord this week uh what do you want to do in my life god just uh, probe me search me god lord is there anything lord what do you want to do with me is there a way you want to stretch me god am i fully surrendered lord what do you want to do with my money What do you want to do with my time? Is there anything, Lord, that I can do differently to better honor you? Like, you know, we're kind of like, we don't really want to pray like that. We're done with that. I'm good, I'm fine. I'm sure the Lord's pleased enough with the way I've, uh, you know, squared things away. No, this is a process. All the days of our life. Verse six says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Man, underline that in your Bible. He chastises every son and daughter whom he receives. Back to the book of Proverbs, it says, delights in. It's interesting. It doesn't say the Lord disciplines those He is just fed up with and just infuriated by. He doesn't say that. He says He is going to discipline those He just adores, because He's a father, right? That's what fathers do. That's what, and this is what He's going to get into this whole thing. Um, it is for discipline that you have to endure. You know, It it is for this purpose of being shaped, being trained by God uh, to be, you know, more like Christ, that we, we got to keep at it. We got to stay with it. We got to endure. We can't give up. We can't drift away. That's what all of Hebrews is really about. Like, you need to pay more attention. You can't just, like... Drift away from things. You can't just start sinning and just blow off God. Like, you've got to stay in this. Stay on the potter's wheel. Just continue to to let God shape your life. Um, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? (laughs) Isn't it true? I mean, don't all fathers uh, discipline their kids? It doesn't mean they all do it the right way. Some are way too harsh, some are way too lenient, or some are you know, sort of shaping their sons in ways that are, okay, it's not really you're teaching kids to view women in not a good way. You know, like, there's a lot of fathers that are not helpful in certain ways. But they're, everyone does it. Every father is shaping, discipling their kids in some fashion. I think it even says in in this portion, you know it, it, as they as it seems best to them, you know, according to their theology and their understanding of right and wrong, which could be skewed, but it's just making the analogy that this is what fathers do. they discipline their children. If you are left without discipline in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons, right I mean, I think about. Uh, how my dad uh, disciplined me as a kid and I'm grateful for it. You know, he didn't just let me do whatever I was going to do. He would give me an earful about like, this is, what did you do? This is why what you did is really, really wrong. And I I would just have to sort of take it, you know? And maybe I would get grounded or something like that. You know, we could talk about all those things. But he definitely was... On me about how I treat people, how I, my work ethic, my, just every aspect of my life. You know, my dad was like trying to speak into my life, give me a vision for living. Now, I didn't always do it, that's for sure, and I strayed from it incredibly, but even when I was way out in left field in a lifestyle of drugs, the vision of living a right and good life. Was inside of me, from from my father, um, but that's what fathers do. But I know that my fa- most fathers, I-, I would say, don't discipline the other kids in the neighborhood, right? Uh, maybe your father did, but sometimes my father gave a little piece of his mind to some punk kids in the neighborhood. But usually, you know, it's like they're not they're not his kids, right? So it's like. He's a, he's a jerk and whatever. He's got his own parents have to deal with, deal with him. I'm going to deal with my kid. And that's kind of what the writer is saying here. Like, it's a good thing. The father, if you're, if you're experiencing some discipline from the Lord, if you're experiencing him, you know, kind of bearing down on you to shape your life, that means you're a child of God. That means you're a legitimate son or daughter of the Lord. Be encouraged. If God was, like, not even dealing with me at all, I might question if I'm even a child of God. So he kind of flips it on its head a bit. Um, he says, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them uh, for it, uh, which, you know, I think, I think we did. You know, why... Now, I know, again, some fathers can be too harsh and exasperate their children, and the scriptures speak to that, or too lenient, whatever. But we, when, when fathers or coaches or good teachers, uh, mentors, are dealing with us and, and just trying to you know, get through to us, why do we respect them for it? No, it's not fun when they're doing that, but we know what they're doing. We know they're trying to help us. We know their intention is is right. How much more so God, right? Is when He's disciplining us, dealing with us. God doesn't take some kind of sick pleasure in in just rebuking us to here, let me let me just lessen this, this guy today, and just, you know, he thinks he's all something. Let me just like bring him into the dust. And then God just sits back and laughs. Like, that's not God. All right? God loves us. He is so concerned with who we're becoming. And he loves us enough to not just let us do whatever we're going to do. You know, he takes responsibility for the shaping of our lives. And he will get on us about things. And then it makes the comparison. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Yes, we should subject, surrender our lives and just continue to let him do what he wants to do in us. Then he says back to the earthly fathers, for they, the earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he, God, disciplines us for our good. And this touches on that purpose. You know, God disciplines us, not just to bear down on us, not just to be, you know, because he's in a cranky mood. So, And some fathers do that, right? You know, they're in a cranky mood, had a bad day at work, and then, you know, come down hard on the kids. Uh, that's not what God does, right? Uh, he doesn't have a hard day at work and take it out on, on one of us. He, 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 he loves us, and he, he wants us to share in his good. It actually says in the next verse, that we may share his holiness. What does that mean? His holiness. It doesn't mean that, you know, we might do the right things like God does the right things. Holy, when you think about holy, think about separate. Think about set apart for a purpose, for something good, for something wonderful, for something that's divine, something that is like our eternal purpose. Like he, he wants us to share in that He's trying to pull us away from all the entanglements of the world. That's the beginning of Hebrews. Like, you know, uh, what does he say? Uh, lay aside every every weight and every sin that, that that clings so closely, let us run with endurance. You know, he, he's trying to pull us away from all of that and and bring us in to, there's a little verse in Deuteronomy that says, He brought us out to bring us in, right? He, bring, he brought them out of uh, bondage in Egypt, to bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, you know, the promised land, the fullness of God. He's he's bringing us someplace. He wants us to share in that. He's excited about it, you know, like a father. He's. I mean, I, I know as a father, if I saw my kids and they were just making really poor decisions or just stuck in the mud or just lazy and not, just going anywhere, just kind of Circles and I I would, man. There's just you guys. You know you're so talented. You know you're so. If you if you just get on this path, it'll lead to good things. But where you're going now, it's going to lead to nowhere, or even to to some misery. And as a father, it's like, man, you're you're broken over that. I'm excited for my kids. I have two two daughters. I'm excited to see my two girls. come into the full expression of who they were created to be to you know come into the full measure of the fullness of God i want to see them bloom i want to just see them bloom like crazy in every aspect of their life i want to see them grow i want to see them be happy i want to see them i want to see them come into the very purpose that God had in mind when he created them I'm excited about that. How much more is God the Father excited about that for me and for you? Amen. And then he says, this is like one of my favorite verses, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And this touches on an important thing because when the rubber hits the road, come on, it is difficult. There are the moments of discipline when God just kind of, he just lays it on, right? And there's a crossroads. He's like, you gotta, you gotta cut that thing loose. You gotta stop doing that. You gotta, you're taking a crooked path. You're going two steps forward, one step back. You know, One step forward, two steps back. You gotta just get on the straight path and move into this thing, and it's painful, right? Why? Because we love our idols. We don't really want to surrender certain things. It becomes difficult. It's costly to follow Jesus. I hope I'm not giving you new news. It is costly to follow Jesus. We don't want to deny ourselves. We don't want to experience hostility. We don't want to uh, push ourselves in different ways. We don't want to hear what God has to say about certain aspects of our behavior, right? It's painful. It's unpleasant. But listen, He's trying to give us a long term vision. It's pleasant. It's unpleasant for a moment, for the temporary. Yeah, it's difficult. To be dealt with by God, but afterward we yield a harvest of righteousness. He brings us into a spacious place. I, I, I think that, well, you know, in the workout world, it's, there's no no pain, no gain, right? In, in the kingdom of God, if you want to. Just get out into the fullness of God and experience all the promises in the scripture. You know what the the gateway is? It's repentance. There's no other, there's no other gateway. And it's not just, oh, I repented back in 1989, you know, and turned. No, it's an ongoing ethic of repentance. Just always letting God shape you. And it gets painful at times. Endure. Endure that pain. Let God break you. Let God bear down. Let God deal with your sin. You know, the sad thing is there's a lot of of Christians that go their whole Christian life and they never really deal with their bitterness or maybe they never really deal with the spirit of lust in them. They never really deal with issues in their marriage. They never really deal with their sloth. And laziness, you know, they just, they, just kind of just don't want to deal with it anymore. And they push God away. And so they live decades in this nominal place of not being full of the spirit. They're not satisfied. They're miserable. Like for most of their Christian life, then they die. And I guess, I guess they go, go to heaven. But they, they were miserable for most of their Christian life. Listen, I, that's lame. Can, some, can we just say that? Is it okay to use the word lame? Of course it is, because it's in this section of Scripture. <laughs> the next verse says, and he just gives a couple of exhortations, which I'll, I'll, I'll end with. He says, therefore, kind of in light of all this, in light of these incredible encouragements, you know, to consider Jesus, and, and that it could be worse, and that the Father has an intent over your life that's good, you know, in light of these great things, therefore, lift up your drooping hands. I think that speaks of worship. And strengthen your weak knees. What happens when you have weak knees? I'm thinking of Joseph if, uh, you know, if he, he does moving, right? If there was a guy who showed up and wanted to work on your, on your team and had weak knees, you'd be like, no, you're not going to make it past the morning. You know, because as soon as you get a heavy thing, you're, gonna fall. you're not going to be able to carry the weight of God's mission and God's purpose in your life with weak knees. Strengthen your weak knees, he's saying. Make straight paths for your feet. This is right out of Proverbs. You know, not zigzag all around and taking slippery slopes. And Yeah, I think this is right. But I'm not really sure. No, take straight, firm paths in your lifestyles. How you use your time and your money and your energy. Like, make, be careful how you live. Walk on stable ground. Well, that Christian over there, he's doing, doesn't matter what they're doing. Let other Christians zigzag all around and walk on, you know what happens when you walk on unstable ground? You eventually slip and you fall over the cliff. That's what happens. Like we need to be, we don't, we don't want to walk near the edge, on the muddy, slippery edge. We want to walk on solid ground, take straight paths, for, make straight paths for your feet. That's how you live your life. So that what is lame, there's the word, may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And I think what he means by this is what is, what is lame? What is weak in you? What is, uh, you know, kind of like your weak aspects of your, we all have weak points, Right? He's saying, "What's lame in you that it might not like get worse, be put out of joint? That it's gonna, if you don't deal with your lameness, it's going to get worse, and it becomes like a bondage. It just becomes something like you, you know, have this ingrained deficiency of character. If you don't continue to let the Father work on you, but the opposite would be if we let Him work, He heals us." He brings us into wholeness. Let's let's let him do that. then he gets into relationships, strive for peace uh, with everyone and for the holiness without no one, which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and defiles other people, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Um, Again, that could be a whole other sermon. I'm not going to unpack all of those because there's so much to it. But he's just giving us that exhortation. You know, like, just endure. Keep doing this. Like, don't be discouraged by the Lord's discipline. He knows what he's doing. It is unpleasant at times. And it is... We're tempted to despise it or to treat it lightly. But the writer is saying... Let the Father do his fatherly work. He, he has our best interest in mind. He's bringing us somewhere good. Ultimately, and this actually comes from, these verses come from Isaiah 35, really in an ultimate sense. Isaiah 35 gives the imagery of eternity and, and where God is ultimately bringing us. Have you ever wondered, like, why are we here? What are we do? Why didn't, why didn't we get saved and just get... Just shot straight to heaven. Wouldn't that be cool? You know? You just... That'd be awesome. I feel like that would be an incentive for conversions. You know? I don't know who would lead them to Christ, but... <laughs> but, you know, you just... As soon as you get saved, you just translate it into glory. And you're done. You're out. That'd be awesome. But no, we have to stay down here and live another... 70 years um, on the earth, and all creation groans, and it's a difficult place to live. But He's preparing us for eternity. Everything that happens, every word that you hear, every day, all the little circumstances, the good, the bad, all things work together for your good, for your shaping. He's getting us ready for eternity. Amen? Thank God for that. Because I, I ain't going to get my own self ready for eternity. <laughs> right? And neither are you. You know, we don't even know what that means. We don't even know how to do that. But the Father takes responsibility over our lives to do that. Amen. Thanks for listening.